Hello, welcome back everyone to the Trish Regan Show. We do have more headlines coming our way and I can tell you this, there is pure panic, panic over them in the White House at this hour. New developments to share with you. Plus, I don't know, I, we got to talk about this. We got to talk. take a look at what they're trying to call decorations this Christmas at the White House. This blows me away. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, lovely. It just gets worse from there. As my grandmother said, you know, you can't buy a class. Um, We must, must discuss. Media loves it, by the way. Okay, so lots going on. I want to remind you, portions of the show are brought to you, as always, by our very good friends over at LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com, 1-866-589-0560. That's their phone number. Call them if you want to talk about inflation, if you want to talk about investing in gold or silver. That is your team. Let's begin today with panic in the White House. Let me tell you, right down to the rank and file, we are hearing through the grapevine. The people are actually worried about this. They're really, really worried. They're worried about what it's going to mean for Joe Biden, because apparently his son is really not a stable person, not a stable person at all. We're going to get to that in a second. They're wondering what it means for their jobs. I mean, look at poor KJP. She's never been a rocket scientist, but this is like really swimming in the deep end right now. For her, and she's swimming upstream. Heck, she's got a president that doesn't even want to do his big year end press conference. It's like kind of a tradition, right? Every year the president comes out and they have like this informal State of the Union. Well, Joe doesn't want to do that, I don't think. So she's trying to walk that one back. Here she is moments ago. Take a look. As we near the end of the year, uh, just traditional presidential things, should we anticipate a year end news conference? He just, he just did a press conference. We got a co-star. We got a co-star. Okay. <laughs> no, he took more than two questions. There were four. There were there were two plus two. Okay, for American press. Look, guys. Um, I, I, <laughs> you said it, not I. It. Um, look, it, he did a two plus two yet uh, on Tuesday. Gosh, the week is going by really fast. On Tuesday with uh, yeah, right. President Zelensky, you heard the president uh, speak speak very uh, passionately and important, uh, in an important way about the, the, the way forward with the foreign policy, how he wants to move, certainly wants to make sure we continue to aid uh, Ukraine. I don't have anything else to add about a, an end-of-the-year press conference, uh, but the president's going to travel, as you know, on Wednesday. You're going to hear from him today, and so you'll continue to hear from him before the end of the year. Oh, yeah. You know, we did hear from him today, and he still doesn't want to talk about the things that need to be talked about. He's still trying to sell this Bidenomics idea, pat himself on the back for the pharmaceutical industry, this, that, and the other. And yet the meat of the story, the the questions that the press really has right now, he's doing everything he can to avoid. And so is she. Like, this is her job, right? She's supposed to answer these questions. you got quite a situation going on, and yet she's just trying to shut it down, shut it down, shut it down. Listen to her here. Now, she was asked, just as the news broke about what impeachment, it's official, right? It's official. They are launching that inquiry. The impeachment inquiry has been launched. So Corinne Jean-Pierre naturally should have something prepared to talk about, and yet we got this. Is the president okay with his son defying a congressional subpoena? 
I'm just not going to get into uh, into specifics on that. I would have to have to, have to refer you to the president's uh, 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 not the president, but Hunter's personal personal representatives. He's a private citizen. I'm just not going to get into it. Can you tell us when the last time the two of them spoke? I mean, I'm also not going to get into private conversations that the president has with his family. We've been pretty consistent. That's nothing new. We're just not going to get into it from here. Republicans say that they have to take this vote, formalizing an impeachment inquiry, because the White House is stonewalling them. What's your response to that? The White House is stonewalling the the House Republicans who are been who've been <laughs> who have been really pushing uh, pushing this impeachment without any evidence, that without doing this political stunt. I mean, that's what they've been doing over and over again. Back to the well, those talking points, right? They come in handy. You just keep saying there's no evidence, there's no evidence, there's no evidence. Even though, I mean, hey, there's a lot of financial records that certainly look like evidence to me. Just saying, there is that Devin Archer interview. They're like, oh, well, nobody's been on record. Let me be clear, they didn't bring Don Jr. in on record, either officially in front of the TV cameras. You get the interview with Devin Archer, who said he was selling the Biden brand. You've got the multiple financial records. You've got all of those emails that started to skyrocket from Joe Biden's personal account when he was vice president. Right around the time that he was going to Ukraine, he started massively sending these emails Allegedly, right, if we're to believe the servers, and I kind of do, from Robert Beware, or rather from the White House, to Robert Beware and multiple other aliases. I'm sorry, don't sit there and tell me there's no evidence. There's a lot of really suspicious stuff, which is why you need the inquiry in the first place. And yet this is their M.O. This is their M.O. You know what? There's just no evidence. There's no evidence. There's no evidence. And this is what they're going to tell us all day long from AOC to the Goldman guy to Jamie Raskin. Take it away. Let's watch the narrative. I have no evidence of him committing committing any offense, much less an impeachable uh, offense. So, um, well, it certainly is a formal step where every single Republican who votes for this is endorsing the idea of impeaching Joe Biden. And that's why you have to look at what they have developed over the last 12 months. It is not for lack of evidence, Garrett. They have hundreds of thousands of pages of documents dozens of hours of witness testimony from numerous uh, government witnesses, multiple executive branch agencies under the administration have turned over documents. They have plenty of materials. They just don't have any evidence connecting. Not only is the committee not allowing Hunter Biden to testify publicly, but they have not called a single witness, a single first hand witness to any of their allegations, they haven't allowed anybody to. Yeah, well, guess what? They will. They will. AOC, careful what you wish for. They're going to be calling a lot of them. And you know what? It's going to get ugly. It's going to get ugly, which is why everyone at the White House right now, they're so worried. There was a big piece in Politico today. Politico was sourcing five different people who were speaking anonymously on behalf of the president. And they were all saying how worried they were about him because, you know, he's a father and he cares about his son. Let me just say, you know what? You're a father. You care about your son. I get it. I get it. I get it. But you know what? You also don't allow your son to behave in a way that's going to actually wind up possibly leading 
to him being in jail. I mean, the man act alone. And these these Republicans are pretty rabid. They're going to go after him. They're going to go after him hard. Can you imagine if Don Jr. did any of the things, any of the things at all that Hunter Biden is being accused of? If those accusations existed and the quote unquote evidence that was uncovered by Comer and Jim Jordan, et cetera, if any of that existed for Don Jr. or Eric Chump, it would be game over. They would be all over. They'd already be behind bars. So, you know, don't sit there and say there's no evidence. They realize that's one talking point. The other talking point they got to go to is poor Joe, poor Joe, poor Joe, poor Hunter, poor Hunter, poor Hunter, poor kid. Oh, my gosh, they're going after the 50-some-odd-year-old kid. He's not a kid. I want to just keep reminding you all of that. He's definitely not a kid. And yet, This guy is so manipulative that he would actually throw out sort of his mental health and what that might mean for his father and his father's presidency and stability should anybody go after him, Hunter, in such a way that was so kind of evil in nature. I want to play this for you because... When I heard this, I literally, I fell off my chair. I'm like, what exactly is this guy trying to insinuate when he says that the Republicans are trying to kill me and they know that they kill me, they kill my dad. I mean, is he, is he being literal? Because you got to be careful with that kind of language, knowing his past, knowing his addictions, the story and political sites, all these anonymous sources saying they're really worried. The president's really worried The hunter's going to spiral back into his very, very bad behavior, which actually the behavior was going on really just even quite recently. And we still don't know who was the um, intended recipient of the illegal substances that were found in the White House by the Secret Service, etc., that suddenly had no tapes, right? Listen here to... Hunter Biden on this podcast with Moby the musician. He doesn't even challenge him. We got to talk about that, but I want to play this first. It's pretty manipulative. They are trying to in the in in their most uh illegitimate way, but rational way, they're trying to destroy a presidency. And so it's not about me. In their most base way what they're trying to do is they're trying to kill me knowing that it will be a pain greater than my father could be able to handle wow i mean those are some pretty loaded words don't you think i mean is that some kind of weird warning to anybody that goes after hunter he's in this fragile place i mean those i did he mean it metaphorically did he mean it literally is this semantics i don't like that kind of language and then you think about how they're doubling down on it in the white house right now because they're so fearful they're so fearful about what's to come they know they get a bad candidate they know bidenomics is not working yet they push it so darn hard guys give it up give it up you know what? The economy's not doing great. When you're spending $7.99 for the cheapest dozen eggs in my local grocery store, no. Like $8 for eggs, I'm sorry. The economy is not doing well. We are still grappling with inflation. So Bidenomics isn't selling. They got a candidate that nobody likes. And now his screw-up kid, 
who may have been involved may with the father in a very illicit, should be illicit scheme to make money for the family overall. Don't forget, Comer's got records of $24 million being disseminated through these various LLCs to all kinds of family members, all with the last name Biden. That is, except for, you know, the one that he didn't want to pay child support to, all while he simultaneously spent, according to the U.S. government, nearly $700,000 on, quote, various women. Unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. So he's out there crying, poor me, poor me, poor me. Joe's like, oh, poor Hunter. That is the narrative you will hear, that there's no evidence, and it's just the mean old Republicans going after this poor kid. Know it when you see it. In the meantime, this White House is facing a whole other crisis. They have pinned an entire election on Donald Trump, the dictator, right? That's what they keep saying over and over and over again. I've played you some of the sound that started emerging, well, a while back, for sure. But it went into high gear a couple of weeks ago. And it's going to go into higher and higher and higher gear. And the scariest thing of all for America is that what we may soon see is that it never should have been in such a high gear in the first place. In other words, it's just all politics. So there's this particular case that's going to be heard in Washington, D.C. It's about January 6th. There's like 300-plus people that are in jail. You may have heard of this, the Fisher case, right? It has to deal with a very specific law, and uh, a very specific law, basically, that came around during the Sarbanes-Oxley Act of 2002, and it was a statute aimed primarily at prohibiting or attacking white-collar crime, but they're using it because basically it says that you can't interfere with any kind of congressional procedure. And so they're arguing that these protesters on J6, well, what did they do? They interfered. Well, some people are saying, you know, maybe this is too broad an interpretation of this particular law. And so the question becomes, can the government charge defendants in these cases under a federal law that makes it a crime to corruptly obstruct an official congressional proceeding. I mean, forget about Jamal Bowman. What was that? You know, the, the fire alarm guy pulling the fire alarm so he could prevent an official official congressional proceeding when they were supposed to be voting on the budget. Yeah, you know, he can do that, but you can't show up to person. Look, I, I'm not like justifying any of this. I'm just saying that you have to you have to understand the full context, right? And so. I don't know what the Supreme Court's going to decide. They may say, you know what? This law exists and it exists for a reason. And because of this, all of those people and Donald Trump are in big, 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 big hot water, right? Like they are going to be just shut down. Or the Supreme Court could say, you know what? They're way out over their skis on this. Jack Smith and his whole team, they are doing this for political reasons only. And this is not what this law was intended to do. Now, if they do that, well, then you're going to have quite a you-know-what storm. And the reason you're going to have a you-know-what storm is because you will have just had a decision, most likely in the spring of 2024. I mean, the the trial is scheduled for D.C. Jack Smith is supposed to be presenting this to a D.C. court March 4th of 2024. And now Supreme Court 
says they're going to take this up, which means their decision is likely going to come out in June of 2024. Do you see the collision course that we're on? It's something that was noted by some analyst. I can't even remember this guy's name. I'd actually never really seen him much ever before. I guess he was at Daily East or something. That's probably why I, I didn't, I hadn't seen him before, but he's now in his plum TV gig and listen to this nonsense that he's spotting. Hey, last I checked, we have a Supreme Court for a reason. Do we not? Let's cue this one. The moral implications, the constitutional implications are massive for our country because as you have pointed out, you know, without accountability, uh, an attempt to overturn an election, a slow motion coup is just practice. It's a green light if there's no accountability for this. And the implications uh, down the line are striking, right? I mean, you know, for example, if people, if the Supreme Court or a court should say that the president's not criminally liable for anything he did when in office, well, that's a green light for authoritarian action for people when they're president. They're officially and permanently above the law, not just simply because of an office of legal counsel opinion. Was that it? Do we have any more? (laughs) Now, what will what happen, I but it's possible, at least possible, this case oh, yeah, never gets, gets heard. Gets How then should one look upon the decision by Merrick Garland, who waited to launch a, a special counsel investigation until after the January 6th committee did a year's worth of work on this? Badly. And look, I think Merrick Garland was motivated by a desire to seem above politics, right, to try to not see the have the Justice Department perceived as being politicized, which it had been under uh, Donald Trump. I think the difficulty now is that time is finite. And delay can be denial. And that's what Donald Trump has, has predicated upon with his army of lawyers. I'm remembered of something truly chilling that Peter Thiel once said, which is single-digit millionaires can't avail themselves okay. of the legal system. So bottom line here, what he's setting up is a situation where maybe the Supreme Court decides in favor of Donald Trump and the 300 people that are locked up. And if that happens, this analyst guy is saying, oh, you know, then, you know, the, You've broken down all the hatches, right? Like that is Pandora's box because now the Supreme Court is effectively okaying a coup. Or, you know what? They interpret the law so that they will look at what happened and say, actually, it wasn't really a coup. And actually, we we don't think. Now, I, I don't know because you know what? I wasn't there. And I didn't get to go into the Capitol building on that day. And I don't have any video from inside the Capitol building of that day, other than what Nancy Pelosi's daughter, Alexandra, a documentary film producer, literally sold to CNN, who then billed it as their exclusive. So there was no independent news network inside. There are cameras. They wouldn't let us see the footage. Our new Speaker of the House says he's going to release it all because we've got like 42,000 hours of this stuff. And as long as they can secure the location and make sure that that doesn't become overly public, then you know what? They're going to move forward with that because, hey, I would like to have seen what was going on inside. I saw outside. It wasn't pretty. Donald Trump has talked about this. He said he wanted to go over there. He tried to go over there. Secret Service wouldn't allow him. They said it wasn't safe. And so he didn't make it over there. He wanted to calm things down. And Nancy Pelosi, on the other hand, I I still don't understand. And I said it at the time, and you have to be careful saying this, right? Because everybody's so sensitive. But gosh darn it, why didn't she pick up the phone and call the Capitol Hill police? Why was the first phone call when she knew this was coming? And they're like, oh, you know, we don't want to go after the protesters. People don't like it when we go after protesters. Look, we let all those BLM movements happen. We got to let this happen. 
I'm sorry, like it's happening at the Capitol building. So no, you just don't let this happen. You do have more people like the National Guard called in. You do make that phone call to the appropriate people so that you have the police presence, the FBI presence, whatever the heck presence you guys need, you make sure that you have it. It's not open season unless maybe you wanted it to be because when your first phone call is to your documentary film producing daughter who then treats it as news and then they have those hearings and that's all we see over and over and over and over again. You know what? That's a problem. That's a bias. So I don't know. I don't know the full extent of any of this, but I sure as heck hope that we get the opportunity through these legal procedures to learn more. And I'm sorry, but you know what? We got a system that's set up with the Supreme Court as the ultimate power. They are the Supreme Court, okay? Like the word supreme is in there. They're going to have say over this, whether the CNN guy and the rest of them like it or not. So if you then want to challenge that, then guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Some of the lefty publications made fun of me for saying this a few years back, but you're going to be looking at a civil war type scenario. I mean, I hope to goodness, not certainly not like actual, but you you will see this divide. And maybe it becomes such a severe political divide that you, you really do have a shift and a change. I don't know, but I don't like it when I hear lefties talking about how the Supreme Court cannot be or should not be the final rule because then somehow that's green lighting a coup. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Last I checked, again, the Constitution was set up in this representative democracy in such a way that we have respect and we honor the law of the land, which the Supreme Court can rule on. Unbelievable. I want to go out to some of your comments. We've got more to get to because Rashida Tlaib is at it again. And she's joined by somebody else, one of her sidekicks going over on MSNBC, kind of making it very clear that they have changed the narrative. And as such, you're starting to see new headlines about the administration's response to Israel and Gaza, etc. We're going to get to that. And of course, those those lovely little Christmas decorations my goodness, my goodness gracious. Anyway, um, I do want to just say, hey, thanks. It's really good to have you guys here. Our good friend Don is back. He's been a champion for this channel from the very beginning. We're at 171,000 subs. So thank you guys for all of that support. I really mean that. I appreciate it. It's, it's great to see your support for independent, independent creators. I never thought I'd be one of these, you know, like back in the, it's back in the days when this all started. I wish I had started this way earlier. Trust me. Like I didn't understand it. I still don't entirely understand it, but, you know, I've learned a lot in this process. But I remember thinking, oh, wait, that's like what the kids do up in their rooms. I know this is real, and it's an opportunity to reach all of you in a different way and to not be part of the establishment. I, I, I just can't, I can't be that. I, I get in too much trouble like over and over and over again when I'm part of the establishment. And it's because... Yes, I tend to be more right than left on many, many issues, but I'm willing, I'm willing to praise the left when they do the right thing. I I mean that. You know what? JFK cut taxes. So the economy doesn't need to be as politically divisive as it has become. I mean, what do we want? We want low taxes. We want people to keep more of their money. We want to encourage independence, that libertarian spirit that I grew up with in the great state of New Hampshire. Live free or die, baby. It's on my mug. Hey, 
Christmas present idea. <laughs> Just saying. Ding, ding, ding. Trishregan.shop. You can get these there. Anyway, I, all of this is so important right now to have that kind of independence. And you need that independence and our freedom to be able to speak decisively ourselves as opposed to what are in the corporate interests of the giant network that you're working for. And I've worked for them all. So like literally, if there's a business network out there, I've worked for it. CNBC, Bloomberg, Fox Business. Yeah. <laughs> so this is all different. It is a, it's a, just a request to make sure that you do subscribe if you're joining us right now and hit the bell. Hit the bell. It's important. Share, like, comment. We keep the conversation going after hours, too. I always check the feeds. I always check the comments. Always. Like, pretty much daily, right before I go to bed. <laughs> anyway, I want to welcome you, of course, to this live show. Mike, it's good to see you again. Caleb, thanks. Leslie, such a wonderful, wonderful supporter. Thank you, Leslie, for all you do. Let's get to the next story here. The White House is succumbing to pressure from the squad. Big, big pressure from the squad. I mean, wow. I told you, look, I'm a pretty straight shooter. And while I may have a political bias most of the time, it tends to revolve around free market capitalism, red-blooded free market capitalist that I am, I'm willing to give everybody a chance. So when October 7th happened, I was obviously horrified. You've probably seen me nearly crying on the air multiple times around that date. And I I was pretty upset and I, I just couldn't believe anything like this had happened. And I was for a split second, proud of Joe Biden's administration for taking a hard line on that and supporting Israel and saying, look, Israel has a right to defend itself, as it does. And I thought, well, this is good. This is encouraging. At least when push comes to shove, you know, he's there for our allies. America had a hand in setting up Israel. And can you imagine if they told us after 9-11, forget about it, you can't go after Osama bin Laden because it's your fault, like those Harvard kids said immediately after, it's your fault, Israel. And like the squad said immediately after, it's your fault, effectively, Israel. So right after this happened, they didn't want Israel to do anything. You can't do anything. can't defend yourself. They want a ceasefire. And that was a pretty grotesque thing. Look, nobody wants anybody dying. Don't get me wrong. This is is bad all around to have happen. Simultaneously, listen, we can't live in a world where the Palestinians— terrorist group, Hamas, a known terror group, recognized by the U.S. government as a known terror group. You can't have a terrorist group go in, slaughter 1,400 people, do the atrocious things that they did, and then think that it's okay, they get away with it. There's no, there's no price to pay. And yet that's what so many members of the squad kind of wanted us to, to go with. And they, they got out there and they made a huge stink They demanded a ceasefire. For goodness sakes, Rashida had this little Capitol Hill stunt all of her own. Let's cut to this tape. Remember this, guys? Remember she just kind of lost it? And she got a whole team together and they marched over to the Capitol? Let's watch. Hold on. I know. Hey, I want him to know, as a Palestinian-American, is also somebody of Muslim faith, I'm not going to forget this. And I think a lot of people are not going to forget this. And it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not a threat. It isn't. They, they think we're joking. I mean, I think the White House and everyone thinks 
So she's got the whole crowd all riled up. You saw it. She made a threat there. She said, this is not a threat. Like, they think we're joking. We're not joking. We mean it. And she did mean it. And she has been extraordinarily vocal, along with other members of her squad. And this is another disaster causing a form of panic, if you would, in the White House. So she's out there getting everybody all riled up. And she just joined her favorite program on MSNBC, along with her friend, Ms. Bush, Representative Bush, where they basically said, hey, you know what? We made sure the White House knew exactly what we thought. Let's play this. Like Joe Biden, President Biden is trying to somewhat modulate his tone. Has has, there been any outreach? Um, We reached out. To the White House. Um, and there were other members of Congress uh, who reached out to the White House when we were called repugnant and disgraceful um, when we first, when we initially called for a ceasefire. We have yet to um, have that conversation yet. Um, we keep asking for it. Um, yeah. We want some clarity on um, exactly what they meant by that. Um, but no, there has not been outreach directly, but we are speaking with our, our, like our House liaisons. Yeah. No. Remember that? I remember that. So now they're going after. Karine Jean-Pierre, oh my goodness, they're like, you know, just eating themselves up here, going after one of their own because she dared to voice displeasure with them when they were calling for a ceasefire. I I think we have this clip, and if so, I really want to play it for you because Karine Jean-Pierre, again, I was like living in this world where I'm like, oh my gosh, they're actually doing the right thing. Stop the presses. Joe Biden is supporting an ally. Oh, my goodness. Karine Jean-Pierre is actually criticizing members of the squad because the squad is just saying stuff that's so beyond inappropriate at this particular time. It's like the Harvard kids, you know, chanting their chant. The UPenn kids chanting their chant. Hours after this stuff had happened and innocent people were slaughtered in Israel. (laughs) I think we got it. So here's KJP. She's saying what should be said, but whoa, you heard Cori Bush. She's not happy about it. Here we go. There have been some members of Congress who have called for a ceasefire and they have not gone as far as uh, backing the administration's call for support for Israel. So look, uh, I've seen some of those statements this weekend uh, and we're going to continue to be very clear. We believe they're wrong. Uh, We believe they're repugnant and we believe they're disgraceful. Uh, our, our condemnation belongs squarely with terrorists who have brutally murdered, raped, kidnapped hundreds, hundreds of Israelis. Uh, there can be no equivocation about that. There are not two sides here. There are not two sides. <laughs> Boy, did she make the squad angry with that one. I mean, I just thought it was great. I was like, finally, like they're doing the right thing. But that lasted like a day, right? Or a few days because I was going back through the clips and we don't have to see it. But like literally seven days later, she had a totally different tune and she started talking about Islamophobia. And you know who else picked up that little narrative? Might it be ding, 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 ding. 
Kamala Harris, our vice president of the United States of America, who happens to be married to a Jewish man, but that's not going to stop her from recognizing the political opportunity of the moment, which means let me get the base on my side. Can I excite the base in some way, shape or form? Let me join forces with the squad. Let me be their listening post and, and let me see what I can do. Don't forget Shortly after they made their displeasure known to the White House, what happened? Just as all those Jewish kids on campuses all over the country were experiencing real fear because they were being targeted in really grotesque ways, Kamala comes out with this little beauty. And so today, I am proud to announce the Biden-Harris administration will develop our nation's first national strategy to counter Islamophobia. This strategy will be a comprehensive and detailed plan to protect Muslims and those perceived to be Muslim from hate, bigotry, and violence, and to address the concern that some government policies may discriminate against Muslims. For example, the so-called Muslim ban, which President Biden revoked on our first day in office. So here's the bottom line. In America, no one should be made to fight hate alone. And in this moment, then, let us all clearly say, a harm against any yeah. one of no us... No one should be made to fight hate alone unless, of course, you're not a member of the cherry-picked group that they have decided deserves all the protections. All right? Let, let's let's like, just be honest about that. I'm going to get in a moment to the ridiculous invite that went out in the city of Boston that the mayor was sending where, you know what, they were having a party and if you were white, you weren't allowed. Okay, so let's, be, let's just be honest with each other. Like the pendulum swings and swings and swings and now we're at the state where like, whoa, like you're, you don't fit the demo and you're persona non grata and that is a dangerous place to be. By the way, the reverse is true, too. OK, like why can we not go back to the words of Martin Luther King Jr.? Why can we not think about just appreciating people, not for the color of the skin of their skin, but, but for who they are? I mean, forget about whether they're anything. I don't care about their sexual orientation. They're trans, they're straight, they're gay and they're tra- I mean, like it can go on. Right. What is the 250 genders that they have over at the BBC for you to check off? I don't care. I don't care, you know, other than I think it's a little strange, but for goodness sakes, like, let's just value people for being people, regardless of whether they're male, female, Asian, black, Muslim. I mean, come on. I'm tired of it. I think the whole world is tired of it. Remember the Oliver Anthony song that I like so much? He's tired of it. That's why his, his song is so successful. People are pretty straight shooters. Americans are are Americans. And you know what? We love this country because it's always been a place where, you know what? They don't care, right? We're just capitalists. We care about success and providing for our families and ensuring some kind of future that's better than whatever we had. That's our, our commonality, if you would. And we're a pretty good group. But when you start siphoning us off like this, And when you start changing policy based on whether you think you're going to get elected or not, because you got to appease a certain group, heck, you got what's his name out in California, Gavin Newsom offering $5 million to anybody 
who can prove that they were related to a slave and that they live in California. Five million dollars, health care for life and wiping out of all debts. You know what, Gavin, if it were that easy, that would be great. It's not that easy. There's a lot more that has to be done, but that's just pathetic and disgusting that you think it's actually racist in and of itself. Let's be honest. When you think that you have to give handouts or admission to Harvard or anything else, when you you keep the woman, Claudine Gay, who now, I don't know if these allegations are true, but gosh, you know, they they got a ton of research on that. I got to go and look at all the things side by side myself, but they're showing how she reportedly plagiarized much of her work, her academic work. Carol Swain, who's a a noted sociologist, economist, conservative black economist, sociologist. She was using some of her stuff and then twisted it to kind of give it a liberal spin, etc. I mean, when you're letting her keep the job, even though there's the plagiarism concerns, even though she did just as bad a job as Liz McGill from UPenn, when being asked all these questions by Congress the other day, Elise Stefanik, just doing a terrific job, the representative from New York, who also went to Harvard, incidentally, asking these questions. And yet somehow they say it's racist to even talk about plagiarism with Claudine. Hey, the white the white lady got fired. I don't care. Like, I don't care what color someone is. Let's have some accountability I mean, why do we suddenly always have to pick even a woman, right? You think about MIT, Harvard, UPenn, Columbia, my own alma mater. They're all women. Like, I think it's great. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm proud that Columbia has a woman. But please, enough already. Like, let's have enough respect for women to assume that they can get the job without somebody having to demand that somebody check a box. It's a big problem. And now we're making policy about it. Here's this headline in the New York Times. I meant to show you this because this is the lead on the New York Times right now. The New York Times is talking about how the White House is now pressuring Israel, pressuring Israel to have a different view. Washington urging Israel to scale back ground war in Gaza by the end of the year. I think that's way too darn ambitious. I'm sorry. But you know what? You want it to be over just as soon as it began because the squad tells you it needs to be? Kamala, according to Politico, as I explained, she's running she's running wild with this, trying to get all the support she can. It's not going to happen because she's not very well liked among the extremists on the left. She just isn't, and she just is never going to be able to talk to the people with her word salad and her ridiculous laugh the way they need her to. But Politico has a big piece out today talking about how Kamala was the one who spearheaded this whole thing. I mean, as we saw, right, like she was the one with the receptive ear. Listen, we got to get beyond this, people. Like we we can't function as a society if we're going to silo everybody into these different groups. It it's not workable. It's just not. And it's not humane. But this is what they're doing in Boston. So let's let's show what what's happening in Boston right now. The mayor decided it'd be neat to have a little holiday party on taxpayers' dimes. Your money, if you live in Boston, if you live in Massachusetts, City of Boston was going to hold a party for its council members, about half of which are what they call delegates of color. It's hard to keep up with the terminology. Like, are you supposed to of color, I guess, is what you say now. Whereas if you said color, I mean, like, I don't even want to get into it because I'm sure I'm going to get myself in some kind of trouble. I just, 
I would prefer we live in a world where we don't see this and we don't make too much of it. And we all just recognize that we're Americans and we're proud to be Americans, right? Like that's the commonality that we do love our founding fathers. And that regardless of where we came from, I got Irish, Lithuanian, Scottish in me. And you know what? No matter what, I recognize myself for all of those great things, but also the fact that I'm an American. And that's what we need to really somehow get back to in some way, shape, or form. But they're not doing that in Massachusetts. No way, no way, Jose. Uh, No, we've got the mayor, Michelle Wu, who happens to be Asian. And that's great, right? Like, great. But she decides I'm going to have a party and I'm only going to invite people who aren't white. And I'm going to send out the invite. Can we take a look at that? Because this, this is something to see. This invite says, you're invited as a guest to the Electeds of Color holiday party. It was last night, 33 Beacon Street. Only problem is the assistant... Denise Dos Santos, she sent it out to all of the representatives, which means half of them that were white were not supposed to be invited. So then all of a sudden, there's this big apology by the city of Boston saying, oh my gosh, we're so sorry. They immediately like rescinded the invite. We're so sorry. It was a clerical error. We didn't mean to invite you all. I'm seeing these headlines, guys, and I kid you not. Like I couldn't, I'm like, what are they talking about? What are they apologizing for? They're apologizing, aren't they? Because they just told everybody they're having a party. And if you're white, you're not invited. So I would think that they would be apologizing if they just decided to exclude half the members of the council. Well, that's, what, that's like the logical assumption. Like if you're a kid and you're having a birthday party at school and you got kind of a small class, say there's like 10 kids in the class, and you decide I'm going to invite five of them. But oops, I sent the, I sent the note out to all 10. <laughs> So then you probably would just go with it. I'm thinking like I would go with it, right? Like it's just another five people. In this case, it was just like five or six additional people. And just kind of say, yeah, hey, it's one big happy family. You're invited to the delegates of color party. But nope, they decided they'd issue this apology. And no, you're not invited. And I'm like, excuse me. Like, what is this? So they're apologizing because they're not invited. No, it turns out the apology... I guess, was because they had just mistakenly sent the invite. There's no shame whatsoever in just excluding half the bunch on taxpayer dimes. That's somehow perfectly acceptable and allowed. It shouldn't be. And so people are kind of annoyed. But here's the mayor's response. I want you to hear it yourself because I'll tell you, I don't have a lot of confidence in this lady now. Tonight, Boston's Mayor Michelle Wu admits that a mistake was made in an invitation to a holiday party. Members of the Boston City Council received an email invitation to what's called a gathering of electeds of color. Not all members of the council fit that description. I think we've we've had individual conversations with everyone so people understand that it was truly just a, an honest mistake that went out in, in typing the email field. And um, I look forward to celebrating with everyone at the holiday parties that we will have besides this one as well. So um, it is my intention that we can, again, um, be a city that lives our values and create space for all kinds of communities to come together. The mayor... <laughs> I mean, that's kind of offensive. We're going to be a city that comes together 
When you just excluded half the council members? I mean, please, lady, come on. You know what? Like I said, we got to get beyond it. I'm telling you, we got to get beyond this. It's just, it's not right. We got to be better than that. These politicians that want to divide us over and over and over again, they have a clear motive. And it's not for the betterment of the city of Boston. It's not for the betterment of you and me. It's to somehow try and make you hate me, me hate you, him hate her. She needs to hate him or she or whoever because it's about siloing everybody, thereby making them less powerful, but somehow making them feel like they are the victim. And if you're the victim, along comes this little champion of your victimhood Like Kamala, she's going to save you. She's going to save you. Or Gavin, he's going to give you five million bucks. I mean, hey, who doesn't want five million bucks? So they silo you. They divide everybody. They want to destroy the nuclear family. Heck, that was in the mandate from Black Lives Matter. They don't value the nuclear family. They just divide everybody up, thereby rendering everybody less powerful thereby giving themselves more power because you believe that this is the, you know, the supreme leader that's going to save you all. And we're left in a much worse spot. A reminder to subscribe to this channel and to hit the bell. So, Melania Trump could never get... (laughs) any kind of break from the media whatsoever. I mean, I would argue she's certainly in my lifetime been the most beautiful first lady we've ever had. She's been the most stylish. She certainly knew a lot about the fashion world going in and had a a very outstanding sense of decorum and style. I don't know her personally well, but I have friends that knew her actually from the fashion world. And when he was first running in 2015, 2016, I heard repeatedly only good things about her. People said she's extremely kind, extremely sweet, a little bit shy, keeps to herself, but just just lovely things over and over again. And I remember seeing her Christmas decorations. By the way, she always looked beautiful. It's like, I mean, she could wear anything, right? Like, let's be honest, and look absolutely stunning. But not only was she extremely attractive, she had this tremendous sense of time and place and the appropriateness of whatever she was wearing was really well thought out. I, I, I admired it tremendously because you know what? It's not easy. Like I, I don't care as much now because hey, you know, here I am in a sweater. It's December, <laughs> but you know, you think about these things, right? You know, when you're interviewing the president or you're interviewing the vice president or I'm, you know, interviewing, uh, look, I've interviewed a ton of people in my career from the CEO to the treasury secretaries to presidents of Latin American nations. I mean, I've interviewed a, a vast array of people and you think about time and place. What am I going to wear? How is this appropriate for this situation? It's kind of part of the job. And so I always admired Melania Trump's ability to really just think through and come up with these new styles and new tastes. And it was just all phenomenal and well-coordinated, really, really well done, classic. And I liked her Christmas decorations, too. We'll get to that in a second. I mention it because Jill Biden 
she she just doesn't have the gravitas, shall we say, or the physique or the the uh, the bone structure, the the genetics, right, to be able to deliver on some of these fronts. But you don't even need that. Like, let me be uh, let me be in co- as kind and generous as I as I possibly can be. Forget about the bone structure, the genetics, et cetera, because that's just luck of the draw, right? You have all these resources available to you. You'd think you'd want to really try and live up to that, right? Ratchet up, have some class. But as my grandmother always said, you know what, Trish, you cannot buy class. And isn't that the truth? Take a look at the Christmas decorations. Take it away. This one blew me right out of the I mean, just couldn't believe it. There's music, too. (laughs) I want to keep this playing. I'm just going to talk over it a little bit. Because suddenly we have a whole show number with our Christmas decorations at the White House. It's kind of funny. I mean, it's like, it's a circus. It's like, it's Cirque du Soleil, right? Come on. It's so silly. All right, so somebody said to me, I'm going to share this. I probably shouldn't, but I'm going to. One of my friends saw this. <laughs> this looked like, quote, a non-binary acid trip. <laughs> so I'm not non-binary, and I've never done the other thing. <laughs> But I guess if I had to describe what that might be, I might think of this, right? It was a really, really well put way to describe it. By the way, I don't think he's ever done the, you know, the illicit substance thing either. And um, he's he's also non-binary. But I mean, really, I mean, it's just so ridiculous. Okay, so I I needed you to see that. And I wanted to contrast it with the White House decorations of the past, specifically the previous administration. Let's roll that tape. Beautiful. Beautiful. Red, white, and blue. Classy. Stunning. You can, you can keep this tape up. I mean, this is just, I could watch this all day. I mean, truly, tru- I, I, I remember, I think I actually sent one of our staff members a note because I was just, wow, it was beautiful at the time. Really stunning, stunning decorations. And I, I mean, it's really, it's something to see, right? And when you think of the White House and the prestige and the sort of classic look that you want to evoke for America, isn't that part of it. I mean, they, I don't know if we have the red ones here too, but one year the press went wild. They were so angry with her because she had a red tree. Here's a blue tree. Just stunning. I mean, that to me represents Christmas decorations. I don't know what the other thing is. Some kind of circus show or the other thing is I explained. I mean, where are we? How has it come to this? It's like the fishnet stockings all over again. Remember when Jill decided to wear those fishnet stockings and the press went wild and they thought it was just awesome? They're like, oh, she's so stylish. She looks so great with those ridiculous boots 
That was one of the worst outfits I'd ever seen on a first lady. Like, I'm not even being, you know, I don't mean, you know me, like I'm a very generous person. I really don't comment on people's clothing. It's not worth my time. But, you know, this was one where it was just so ridiculous. They're like, it's beautiful. Oh, my gosh, she's sexy. She's hot. She's got these little boots and the fishnet stockings. And I'm like, what kind of world, like upside down world do I live in? Think about it. It's all upside down. Left is right, right is left, day is night, night is day. It's all inverted. It's like they're just trying to confuse the heck out of you until you eventually see things their way. Well, you know what? We're not going to see things their way. We see things our way. We see things in a very fair way, I think, here on this program. I'm delighted that some of you have become team members on the show. That's such a neat thing. We just started the team membership here over on YouTube. If you're watching on Rumble, thank you. I'm on Locals as well, where we have a team over there. And uh, we're, we're here on Facebook as well, where we, I, we also have kind of a team there too. But this is new on YouTube. So I want to thank so many of you for joining that. But you guys, I think you're with me, right, on the Jill thing? I mean, what was that? And why did they all love it so much? You should have seen the press on and on and on. They just loved it. They thought she was great. Listen, I just, I just call it like it is. It's not that hard. And no, you can't buy class. (laughs) Great to see you guys, Gary. Yeah, that's for real at the White House. Mm -hmm. It's for real. You know, um, JC, thank you. I love that you guys are over here. Ken, thank you for the compliment. You know, I'll never turn down a compliment ever. So uh, I appreciate it. I'd love to know, what do you guys think? I mean, yes, no, on the deck. Am I like out in left field here? I mean, hey, the musical theater number, that's nice. But the circus act, like I, I the, 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 the overload on the senses, that's what you call like overstimulation. That's an interesting thing to think about, actually. It was kind of like her outfit there. Remember that the, the fishnet stockings and the weird skirt and the boots and the like prints everywhere, you know, in, in television. And there's sort of this unwritten rule that you try to wear solids. You don't really like you're never going to see me in polka dots. OK, like I just like I, I tend to wear one color. And the reason I do that in real life, too, the reason for that is it's too much for the eye. You don't see me in like a ton of jewelry either. Like it's too much. It's sensory overload. And ideally, I want you to be able to connect with me. I want you to be focused on my words, not focused on my flashy hoop earrings or printed outfits or ruffles everywhere, right? Because you want to keep it simple. And hopefully we're connecting through whatever I'm saying, whatever you're saying in in a different way than if I'm all gussied up with all the ridiculous stuff. So that's kind of like those decorations. Like they're, they're all like, woo, sensory overload, lots of colors, lots of commotion, lots of pizzazz. But ultimately Christmas should be a time to reflect on how lucky we all are. To be here, whatever religion you are. I mean, look, Jesus Christ, I, you know, I'm full disclosure, you know, a a decently religious person and believe that Jesus, Jesus loves us all, all of us. 
no matter you know who you are and 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 Jesus sees the best in all of us and we need to remember that and so christmas for me is a time of thinking about the the beauty of this life and the simplicity of this life is part of that so i guess when i i look at the the circus act and those decorations they seem very cluttered and very very messy. And I like to to think about simplifying all of our lives at this time of year. Anyway, I'm going to get, I'm going to wax like really philosophical with you right now. So before I do that, I just want to thank you for watching. I want to encourage you to become a team member. I want to encourage you to subscribe, to like, to hit that darn bell. So you know, when I'm live, we're working on getting a regular time, but you know, it's tricky. We got a lot going on here at the Trish Regan Show. Thank you all for being here. I'll see you tomorrow.